Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And turning on the news, listening to the news, uh, all we hear about is anxiety and chaos. We've got pandemics, wildfires, unrest, protests. What does that mean for church planting? Join us on The Scent Life as we talk to and explore with church planters what does it mean to live and minister on the front lines of chaotic circumstances. Thanks for being with us today, and uh, this is a great opportunity for us on The Scent Life. You know, as part of Southeastern Seminary, one of our great, great privileges that we have is that we have students who are literally uh, serving around the world and throughout the United States. And uh, Dr. Thais and I, for years, have had the privilege of teaching in class and then really watching our students uh, take what they learn and really make it better than we ever gave it to them. And one of those guys uh, is our guest today, uh, Matt Boyd. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt, when were you with us? I was uh, at Southeastern in person from 2009 to 2011, yeah. and then uh, went overseas with uh, 2 plus 2 after that. Yeah, so almost 10 years. Yeah. So one of the cities right now that is one of the most prominent talked about cities in America um, is Portland, Oregon. And Matt and his family have been in Portland for several years. And so, Matt, take just a few minutes and talk with us about what you guys are doing in Portland. As we got you on Zoom. Our, our, our listeners can't hear. It looks like you're in a smoke-filled bar uh, in, in Portland, but you're not. You're in your garage. So there's a whole lot of stuff going on in your town. But tell us, first of all, what are you doing? And uh, introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us about your, your ministry there in Portland. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, first, I appreciate the opportunity, Greg and Scott. Uh, thank you for the invitation to uh, be on the podcast. Yeah, so I'll just give you kind of a, a high-level view of how we ended up in Portland. I uh, went to Southeastern and did the 2 plus 2 program, and that's really what kind of got my introduction to uh, church planting and uh, really having a heart for the nations. Uh, we were part of the Summit Church there in Raleigh-Durham, and between that and Southeastern, I mean, just everything was oozing uh, missions and church planting. And so if you're listening to this and you're not a student, be careful because they're going to challenge you to go to a strategic city in the U.S. or uh, a nation of unreached people groups in the world. But loved our time there, uh, went to Southeast um, or South Asia rather for two years and equipped nationals to plant churches and saw a lot of fruit and a lot of um, amazing work done there. Uh, returned from overseas and uh, this isn't what this podcast is about, but kind of had an identity crisis and didn't know where to go, <laughs> what to do. And uh really wanted to plant a church. My wife wasn't ready. And so we just kind of had a season where we just rested and uh, worked some more non-vocational uh, ministry jobs as we pursued the Lord and what was next. And then uh, eventually felt like God said, it's time to, to go now and, and to plant a church somewhere in the U.S. Looked all over the map on where we'd be willing to go. Uh, would love to have stayed in the Southeast for just numerous reasons, but just didn't sense that's where the Lord wanted us. Um, we, my wife hates extremely cold weather. She's from northern Argentina, a very hot place. And so unless God put it in our Cheerios to, 
to go to Boston or New York. I knew that was kind of out and that left us looking towards the Midwest, which we just really had no draw to at all, other than uh, looking at Denver, Colorado, which is where I thought we were going to go. If you'd asked me five, six years ago, I would have said Denver, Colorado is the spot. Um, mm -hmm. Was friends with uh, a planter there and uh, just really loved that city. And then mm -hmm. uh, Portland, Oregon came on my radar uh, through a couple different people. Uh, one of those was actually another fellow missionary at IMB. Uh, right before I left the country that we were serving in, asked me where I was going to go. And uh, he said, I really wish you would consider going to where I'm from. And I said, where are you from? He said, Portland, Oregon. I said, I've never been there. I'm not even sure exactly where it is on the map. And he said, well, you like to wear plaid. You have thick rim glasses and you like good coffee. So you'll fit right in. And so I thought, well, I better check out this place for vacation, if nothing else. And then uh, fast forward, we came back. We're in this, I'm in this identity crisis and sat across from the pastor who I grew up under. And uh, he said, Matt, where do, you, where do you feel like you want to go plant a church? I said, Denver, Colorado. And he said, Matt, Denver would be a really good spot. But if I were you, I would consider Portland, Oregon. And I forgot wow. that he had gone to Western Seminary, even though he had done most of his ministry in North and okay. South Carolina um, back in the 80s. And so um, that's kind of what led us to looking at Portland. Uh, if you look up Portland and you realize it's the uh, least religious, one of the most atheistic cities in our country, it's hard not to consider it as an option. Um, this was five years ago next month, actually, that we first came out here on a vision trip and left mm -hmm. thinking we were going to Denver. And by the end of that year, God made it very clear that it'd be, we'd be disobedient not to go to Portland. Uh, and so that's kind of what led us out here. We moved out here three years ago this past June. Uh, so we just hit the three-year mark. Uh, in some ways, it feels like we just arrived. In other ways, it feels like we've been here for decades. And, <laughs> uh, you know, as we have adjusted to try to becoming um, Northwesterners uh, from, you know, in the Pacific Northwest area, and it's uh, really at our first year, we just leaned into our missionary background. Uh, we didn't come out with a large team. Um, there's things I would definitely do differently and go back and do over if I could, but we didn't come with a large mm -hmm. team. We kind of parachuted in and just said, all right, we need to figure out and learn what it means to be a missionary, just like we did in South Asia uh, here in Portland. It is a different context. And so that was uh, much of the first year was us doing that. And then um, we just kind of started building relationships in the city networking yeah. and figuring out how to partner with a local elementary school and a, a neighborhood association and slowly building the trust of the people here in Portland, which has taken uh, a majority of the last three years to really get to that place wow. of having some level of trust. And then slowly, uh, painfully slowly building a, a small core. And then uh, we've started kind of doing some gatherings and some groups and some discipleship groups uh, from there. Now that's really uh, helpful just to hear that whole timeline. Uh, and, and Matt, you know, uh, I've been out there a couple times, uh, some just with my family, but about a year ago, had a team out there uh, with you guys out in Portland. And so uh, seeing all of this in action, uh, been a great thing. You talk about leaning on your missionary background. Uh, you talk about spending the better part of three years, uh, you know, just building trust and building relationships. And it's not just with individuals, it's within the community and other places. And so uh, Portland being kind of what it is, and you mentioned a few statistics there of uh, kind of the elite, one of the least religious, if not the most least religious place uh, in the U.S., among other things. And so that makes church planting, I mean, it's, it's difficult anyway. It's, it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, we know that. And I'm sure there are multiple days and seasons where you, uh, maybe it's your wife, maybe it's uh, someone connected uh, on your team that says, hey, I'm just not sure I can keep doing this. Um, and so I know it's a difficult thing, but in light of where we find ourselves right now, um, we'll just say 2020, because that means a lot <laughs> of different things. 
Yeah, so first we start off with a bang of a pandemic, which in terms of relationship and connection puts a damper on some of that. Uh, and then in your particular part of the world, uh, you add on top of that, not only a pandemic and the different views and impact there, uh, then you add on, we've had a lot of tensions, uh, race tensions and even protests and riots and even more, uh, even deeper things in your part of the world. Uh, and then uh, like uh, Scott mentioned at the beginning of the, you know, broadcast that if people were seeing you, it looks like you're in a smoke-filled bar. Well, that's not just ambiance. That's literally the world seems to be burning down at your doorstep. And so all that to say is, how's it going? I mean, <laughs> how has that impacted uh, church planting and, and just life and ministry in your context? Yeah, yeah, that's lots of, that's a that's a big question, but uh, as, <laughs> it's as 2020's had, question. It, it's 2020's <laughs> question, uh, and let's recognize it. You know, 2020 has been difficult no matter what context you're in and where you're located. Um, I think for me, in many ways, I feel like we are still in the month of March and that we've been on this uh, endless treadmill. It's almost like driving through the state of Kansas where you see the same things hours and hours. Uh, it's kind of that way where I feel like March has just continued to go on. Yeah, things have been things have been extremely difficult, extremely challenging. Um, it's, I'll just kind of address each of those briefly as far as when COVID hit. Right about that same time, uh, I started filling in as an interim for another church uh, plant that uh, is without a pastor here in the city. And so we essentially became one church overnight as we started doing things online together. And uh, for our size, we adjusted very quickly and just said, uh, I thought it was going to be a couple of weeks, honestly. I thought this is going to be kind of nice. I'll have uh, a slow couple of weeks. And um, now here we are six, seven months in, but we, we quickly adapted things online. So our gatherings, we used some online platform. And then we did a Zoom kind of virtual fellowship from that. And I think that actually went really, really well for the first couple of months. Um, it allowed mm -hmm. some of our supporters and partners and mom and dad to hop on, which was encouraging. And then about two months in, everyone's like, oh, this we're just so tired of Zoom and online. Like there's this fatigue that hit in. But we continued on for another two months. Um, and then we actually, the last six weeks, we've been doing church in the park, which has been refreshing. Uh, there's lots of parks here, as you would know, Greg. And so we've been able to space out with that. Uh, and then uh, wildfires come in and kind of mess that up for the last the last few weeks. Um, our groups also transition online, what we call gospel communities, and that's okay. just allowed us to continue to make that connection. Uh, once again, we're we're kind of like everyone. We're working through the challenges of everything being done online, but still trying to provide that uh, form of uh, fellowship and uh, just to stay connected with one another. Um, outreach was probably the area I felt we were hit the most, especially during the summer months. We have mission teams that come out from partnering churches and um, all those just got canceled, you know, and they help us run a kid's mm -hmm. camp and do outreach at, at, in the neighborhood while well, the events were also canceled in and of themselves. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of left us going like, what does outreach look like? And so we mm -hmm. quickly jumped in at a food pantry uh, that has been uh, two days a week. They're open and just given hours upon hours there just to help provide food uh, to families in need and uh, to provide just any other assistance, uh, learning about people who need their rent to be help paid or their electric bill, and just trying to meet those needs as best as we could uh, as a church and just kind of rally together. Uh, so that was kind of level one, and we're still, in many ways, we're still in that. And then, yeah. then all of the uh, kind of the unrest and the riots. So, you know, we're right. I don't know, however many weeks in and kind of this big race conversation entered into the picture. and. Uh, I'm probably like many. I, I always feel a need to respond, but then I'm also not necessarily always feel competent to respond and not sure what to say to respond in that. 
And so we took things offline for a week and said, hey, let's just have an open, honest conversation on where we're at um, mm. as a church, as individuals. And so we did that. And then we invited another uh, church planner, African-American guy in, uh, delivered a really hard message for us. We actually lost one couple from the church uh, as a result wow. of the message that he delivered. And uh, we said, hey, this is an, an area uh, and an issue that we want to continue to press into, not just because uh, it's in this moment, um, but really because right. we believe that it is a gospel issue. And so yeah. we have continued to press into that. Uh, there's a, I've got a quote here that I actually wrote down that uh, a lifelong Portlander from the African-American community had said, this was really early after everything with George Floyd's murder had come out. He said, the black community feels they don't belong here. We feel like we're mm. not treated fair here. And so just hearing that, reading that just broke my heart. And I just said, look, like we need to press into this, especially those yeah. who are, are, look like me, uh, who are white and, and just need to take a posture of listening, uh, which in some yeah. ways is discipleship, just listening and learning. And then you're right. able to enter into that conversation. So uh, that's what a lot of it looked like. Um, our city quickly turned to protest, uh, which yeah. lasted... Um, I, I thought they were going to last strong for a week or two. And then uh, with the wildfires, they've kind of down, died down a little bit. But I think there's still smaller ones that are happening, if I'm not mistaken. But I know as a week ago, we were like 100 days straight of uh, wow. protest. Uh, we, uh, as a church, uh, I don't know if we officially participate in any of those, but individuals from the church participate in some of those early on. Um, mm -hmm. And then there was a group of um, Christian faith leaders who got together and we, we had uh, different prayer gatherings throughout the city, uh, sometimes in the heart of the protests that were happening. And uh, some things are pretty incredible to see as the church of cross tribes and denominations just coming together to saying, okay. like, we need to come together on this issue. And there were different prayer vigils throughout the city, um, specifically at areas of injustice towards African-American communities. Uh, if you look up the, okay. the history on Oregon and the city of Portland specifically, just very racist mm -hmm. past. And so we said we need to press into these conversations. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we also as a church need to be offering something that they can't find somewhere else. Otherwise, mm -hmm. we're not really being set apart in the idea of salt and light. Um, in this, uh, in the, in the community that we're in. And so those are still continuing to happen. Um, our church is actually starting to do undivided more than a hashtag. If you guys are familiar with that, um, look it up yeah. on uh, NAM's yeah. website, Sin yeah. Network. And um, so we're starting to go through that and we're actually inviting our community into that if they want to, oh, wow. uh, just to That's see, great. you know, what level of interest there might be there. Um, as far as the riots, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, you see things turn to to rioting and downtown, specifically in a few blocks, um, it just looks awful right now. It's mm. just boarded up windows and broken glass and graffiti everywhere. And it's just not a des very desirable place where normally this time of year people would love to flock to downtown. So it's been sad to see um, the, the, the rioting and, and then also try to even take a moment to say what is going on there? W what yeah. is happening? And how does the gospel speak into even that mm. aspect of uh, the protest? Um, right. The area that's happening most is downtown. And then the second probably hot, hottest area is about a mile from my house. And so things okay, start wow. literally in our neighborhood park and places that I would walk to and ride my bike by. Uh, and so people say, you know, I get texts and emails and phone calls, you know, how close is this to you? I'm like, well, it was about a mile away last night and you know, yeah. we felt safe and we felt fine. Um, Kind of as a side note, I say as a church planter in Portland in 2020, uh, the media is doing all of your uh, kind of campaigning for you. 
uh, because they're putting Portland right. on everyone's radar. So I am hoping at least more people are aware of Portland and praying for Portland um, in the midst of what is um, what's what's wow. happening. And so I'm on a neighborhood board, you know, and we're, we're in the middle of those conversations. There was a very heated board meeting last week where our, some, of, some of our neighborhood board is calling for the complete, they want to abolish the police like, entirely. And then you've got the other half who are saying something different. And then right. you've got me and one of the other Christian on this board are going, okay, how do we enter into this conversation as a person of faith um, and speak into it? Um, mm. And so we're, we're continuing to lean into those conversations, continuing to try to be present with our neighbors to, to just really... Yeah figure out what is going on there. Um, and then once again, the re reason we're continuing to press into the conversation in general is because we didn't want it just to be a passing moment, but said if we actually sure. care about this as the people of faith and um, even finding congregations that are made up of more African-Americans, whereas ours majority is majority white saying, how do we come together to show this city around us in this community something mm. different that they don't expect to, uh, to see. And then uh, wildfires. So yeah, 2020 just continues to uh, <laughs> wow. throw things at us. And so we're kind of, you know, you kind of adjust to these things and then it kind of becomes like a new normal. Um, that's, that's how I describe life overseas after I'd lived there for a while, like my new normal. And so you adjust right. into these things and then you hear about these fires that are coming in. Uh, we had a really big windstorm and then fires moved in uh, just about a week ago. And thankfully have not reached Portland, uh, but they have gotten uh, to the county next to us where there's been evacuations happening. Um, the forest burning down entire towns, a lot of small towns in Oregon, entire towns have been uh, destroyed. And it has carried the smoke into the city of Portland, where for almost a week now, we've had some of the worst air quality in the world, uh, at least out of major cities. And so it's uh, very smoky. It, you know, you can't go outside or you're not, you really shouldn't go outside. And so I've got three kids, nine, seven, and five uh, little boys who love to run around and be active. And I'm like, gotta stay inside. Uh, you can't go outside now. And they're like, wait a minute, you, you kept saying COVID-19, we can go outside. And so no, now there's there's wildfire and <laughs> smoke. And uh, so as a church, we're once again, we're just trying, like, how do you respond to this? Um, as a as a church planter and a pastor, you know, I feel that weight of responsibility to almost, maybe it's just my personality, like I have to respond. And there's also yeah. days I can just feel crippled by all of uh, everything that's happening. Mm. They're going, man, it's just another thing that yeah. I just don't know, necessarily know what to do or have the answer um, on what to do. So this episode is presented by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Southeastern Seminary's mission is to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. Almost all of Southeastern's degree programs are available fully online. So whether you're in your living room or the classroom, you can receive a high quality theological education. If you wanna know more about studying at Southeastern and how to get equipped for whatever ministry God's called you to, you can go online to sebts.edu. We'd love to have you join us, study with us, and find out how God is leading you and equipping you for his mission. You know, Matt, I had you in several classes. I'm trying to remember the one, the class that we had together where we talked about being a pastor in the middle of a global pandemic, <laughs> national riot, 
and wildfire sweeping. I'm trying to remember that textbook that we read. Do you remember the book that prepared you for the <laughs> You know, I own about every book by Tim Keller, and I keep waiting for the book to come out that has, you know, all of those answers to that. But, yeah, I don't remember that class at Southeastern. I'm hoping you guys add it to future students. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's a book you need to write. I bet you're the only pastor in the world or one of the few that's had to deal with all three of those major, major things. You know, Matt, we, when we, uh, we joke, but, I mean, seriously, you know, we, everybody watches the news, and we have Twitter, and we have Facebook, and, you know, we have the chance just to see – what's going on. And so Portland kind of jumps out mm -hmm. as a kind of an area in crisis. And it's really encouraging to hear from somebody like you and realize, I mean, there are actually Christians there and they're pastors and there are missionaries who are communicating the gospel kind of in the middle of a, of a major crisis. Uh, I try to tell people all the time when you you know, when we watch the news or something and we see towns, we can always pray that God would use the church and use the, the, the church planters and the missionaries there in that place. And so given this kind of, I guess, season you're in the middle of, you're six, seven months into chaos, but mm -hmm. what, what kind of advice would you give as a guy right in the middle of this for church planters or pastors who find themselves in chaotic circumstances. You know, all, all across America, everybody's dealing with one or more of what you're dealing with. You just got a, kind of the trifecta plus going on. But, sure, uh, sure. You know, what, have you, what have you learned and what kind of advice or encouragement would you give to, uh, to pastors or church planters who find themselves in chaos? Yeah, well, let's not forget we're also in an election year. So uh, oh, we've, we've got that we coming are? up. <laughs> as well and uh we don't have to get into politics but you can you can assume, uh, the direction that portland is uh is going to vote and so yeah. as i answer that one one thing that even i've been reflecting on and i sent out a personal update a couple of weeks ago is that you know people portland has been on the news a lot and is the media inflating it and making it sound like it's a complete war zone Yes. Uh, now, the smoke makes it feel like it is, but there's lots of yeah. places you can go in the city that are safe and fine. Um, and at the same time, I almost ask myself if we are actually the least religious, most atheistic city in the war or the country or one of them, should we expect any other response? Or should we actually look around at other cities and go, well, why isn't Raleigh-Durham reacting quite the same way? Is it because there's a higher percentage of Christians there? And to say, if we are actually as lost as we are supposedly are based on stats and studies, then some ways this reaction shouldn't surprise us. We shouldn't mm -hmm. expect the people of a city like Portland to be acting in a, in a manner uh, in line with Christian values. And so that's one thing that I've thought about that's just honestly kind of encouraged me to say, this is, you're here at a very different um, place. Right. Now, as far as uh, how I'd encourage another church planner or pastor facing some of these circumstances, uh, first off, I'm going to give the kind of the Christian spiritual pastoral answer, sure. um, okay. but, but, but I believe in it. So I'm not saying that as I don't believe it, but <laughs> we've been, uh, we've been preaching through Philippians uh, the last several uh, weeks and calling it priorities. And so just this past week, uh, Philippians four, four through seven, which says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Mm -hmm. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. 
so that's that just that is one passage um, as you both know the word of god is so relevant to everything that we face and there is a ton of uh anxiety right now you know especially with 2020 there is reasons for people to say you know why we don't rejoice uh, but we really just looked at that on Sunday and I've gotten some uh, really good feedback from people. And I didn't feel like I preached that good of a message, but what it showed me is <laughs> it's not about me. The word of God is powerful and there's truth right. in the words that it speaks um, in line with that. First Peter five, six and seven, humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God. So at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Uh, so those are two scriptures that I am holding on to because mm. uh, like, like many of you, I go through those same emotions and thoughts and feelings. Um, Scott, I think it was you that wrote an article this week that came out uh, about yeah. pastors who are, who are thrown in the towel, who are giving up. And so I find myself there on a, uh, not a daily basis, that might be a little bit too much, but on a, a consistent basis, I find myself also there. And so mm. going back to scriptures like that, and then um, one more, Philippians 3, 12 and 14. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ mm. Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Um, so that's just one more of those passages that I've just gone through in the last few weeks that I've been holding on to. Um, as we have, you know, look towards that goal of, of, of Jesus and making it um, uh, our own. And this is just practical advice. I know, I think everyone listening knows this and I hear it, but then I don't necessarily follow through is you need friends and other leaders in your life. Uh, and don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call them. I've, I've talked with, with Greg a couple times recently and not because yeah. Greg's like necessarily excited to catch up with me because I felt like I needed a leader in my life and someone I could reach out to. And, sure. uh, you know, so don't be afraid to, to reach out and call somebody. And seriously, if you don't have somebody, my email address is matt at sojournpdx.org. And I would love to get on the phone and, and talk with you because we need uh, other people as we're going through these things. And uh, get a coach, get a mentor who will help you navigate these things. I've got a, a few different people in my life who are, um, some are, are maybe more like a grandparent age, but uh, or a father figure age. And then some are just like big brothers who are 10, 15 years older than me who I can reach out to and just say, Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. Have you dealt with it? Even if you haven't, can you help me think through uh, what it is that I'm, uh, that I'm, that I'm in. And so as I think about that and, and uh, once again, I find myself going through the same emotions of wanting to throw in the towel and not necessarily sure what to do. As I talk with more leaders, I realize we're all dealing with those same emotions and thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter if you're pastoring a church of five or if you have a church of 10,000, um, you're going through those same types of, of emotions and, and, and thoughts and how do we lead in this moment? So in some ways that's encouraging to know that we're all dealing with this in that way. Um, and, and then in some ways, as far as the high percentage of pastors who are, who are giving up I, in some ways, I feel like that maybe it's always been that way. It's just maybe with the internet, it's more known now. Um, but also at the same time, um, I think one thing that, that's encouraging as well is back in Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved, endure. And so, brother, sister, if you're listening to this, my encouragement is to stand firm and to endure. Yeah. What, and what does it mean to stand firm? Um, wherever it is that God has placed you in 2020, whether it's Portland, Oregon, or the town that you were born and raised in, God has put you there for a reason, and he has called you out as a, uh, you're, you're a sent one there, 
and he wants you to be a light and a witness in this moment. So stand firm in that place, in this cultural moment, wherever it is that you have found yourself um, and endure uh, throughout these trials that we're facing. Man, those are really helpful advice. Also, uh, just a stout challenge. I appreciate you taking us back to not the scripture, but Philippians speaks so relevantly, uh, really to all of us, all of our listeners, no matter the circumstance, but hearing it uh, from you as you uh, and your church and your community face uh, really uh, the multitude of challenges. Uh, I think that's uh, really helpful, Matt. And so uh, as we kind of end up in just a moment, I do want to pray for you. But as we do that, um, how can we, how can our listeners uh, pray maybe for you or for the, the ministry going on in Portland? And then also, how can they get more connected? Maybe they want to uh, be aware or maybe at some point they want to be involved in the work in Portland. Is there a way they can connect to that? So give us a way to pray for you, uh, for you and your community. Give us a way to connect with you uh, beyond this podcast. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I'll start out by saying that I am hopeful when I take a step back of what will come out of 2020. And, and my hope is that we will find people who are desperate for hope. And mm -hmm. we must remember as the church that we have the hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that is, that is my prayer that, that this won't be just a year that passes by as a horrible year, but that the people in these, these cities where we live will start asking questions. Um, mm -hmm. And that we'll start seeing people of peace, people of receptivity who will come out of these uh, scenarios. And so that, that is one prayer, that, that the people of Portland and the city of Portland, that we would see them turn to Jesus. Um, you know, not that I would seek after COVID or riots or wildfires, but if that's what it takes to get the, the city to turn towards Jesus, then let's let them see them toward, towards Jesus. Um, pray for endurance and that we would stand firm. So I'm not only preaching to you guys, I am preaching to the choir that I need endurance and that I need prayer sure. to to stand okay. firm um, in what it is that God's called me to do. I don't want to leave this city or leave what I'm doing and planting until I've heard the clear God say, go do this in somewhere other location, um, although it's tempting at times. And so pray for that. Um, pray for more laborers. Uh, that's something we've prayed from day one, but we've continued. It's, this is a place that's really hard to labor. Um, and we've seen laborers who've um, moved out here from other places, and most of those don't tend to last very long because it's just incredibly difficult. I think people hear, well, it's Portland and it's, it's cool and hip and it is all those things, but you think, what's well, the US? How different can it be? They speak the same language. But Greg, as you would uh, probably uh, give a testimony to, it's, it is almost like a foreign mission field in many respects. And so just pray that we'd have some faithful, uh, mature laborers who could endure with us. And as far as getting involved, um, you can go to our website, sojournpdx.org, just to learn a little bit about our church and kind of what we're doing. All of our contact information is on there. If you want to learn more, um, come on a vision trip. I know that, uh, at least I think, I'm going to plug the Southeastern and Faith is going to take another trip out here at some point once trips are allowed. Um, probably 2021 at the earliest would be my guess. But if you find out that, that Greg or Scott or someone's leading that trip, then join in with that trip to come just – Maybe it's just to get a heart for what God's doing, to, to pray more strategically for us, or maybe God would call you out here. Um, pray with us, pray for us. Uh, and then other ways would just be, you know, if you feel a heart to, to give toward just being generous to help with what we're doing here. You know, we, we've set up a fund even for the wildfire victims. We say, hey, if you don't know where else to give, give it to our church, and we'll make sure it gets to directly to victims to help them um, in a time of need. And so, uh, yeah, all, the, all those ways you could follow me or our church on, on social media. It's pretty easy to, uh, to look us up, find us, and just stay connected with what God is uh, doing out here. 
And thanks a lot, Matt. We really do appreciate your time today, uh, Matt, but uh, even beyond this, just appreciate you and your family and your labor. Uh, really in the community, part of what we've heard today is, uh, you know, you're not just dropping in there for a season, but you really are in essence, uh, knitting your life together with the community and the people of Portland. And that's really evident. Uh, and I know it's not been easy, particularly in this season, but thank you for just your insight, uh, helping us understand better what, what we see behind the news stories in Portland, uh, but also for some of the encouragement. So let me, let me pray for you, uh, for your family, for the work, uh, and uh, pray with me now. Uh, Lord God, we do thank you for uh, the work that is going on in and around Portland, Lord. Thank you for Matt and his family. Thank you for their team. Thank you for uh, Sojourn Church, uh, who is a light uh, in a very dark place, Lord, as we think about all that we've had to navigate uh, and, and really the intensity of that in Portland with pandemics and uh, racial unrest and riots and protests. And Lord, we're uh, in a season of politics and election. And then, uh, of course, they're having to deal with uh, all around them just the wildfires and a natural disaster. Lord, thank you for uh, the strong call uh, of encouragement. But also, Lord, we do pray for uh, believers uh, in the city of Portland. We pray for uh, Matt and his family, we pray for Sojourn, that uh, they would be unified around the gospel of Jesus Christ, that as they are unified there, Lord, uh, that they would stand in one accord, uh, that they would contend for the gospel, and they really would endure and stand firm, not because of uh, who they are, but because of who you are. And would that, that perseverance and that endurance be a witness to those around them? And I, I so appreciate uh, their their wantingness and their willingness to not just engage in a moment, uh, but really shift and change things to hopefully change the, the culture of Portland. Lord. So we pray for them. We pray for more laborers. Lord, we pray that many of our listeners would be peaked, not just to pray, but perhaps get involved and who knows, uh, maybe relocate uh, out to that part of our country. And so again, Lord, uh, we lift all of these things to you and it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Once again, we thank you for joining us on this episode of The Scent Life as we have explored uh, church planting in the midst of chaos, particularly in the Portland area. But don't miss out on future uh, episodes of The Scent Life where we continue to look at church planting uh, in chaotic circumstances. 